Hey everyone, welcome to this final episode for the week of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This week, or this episode, this week we've been talking about Helaman chapter 7 through 12. This episode, we'll cover uh, Helaman 12. I'm going to do this episode slightly different than normal. Uh, I've got a bunch of quotes here. What I'm going to do is go through them in order of how I feel like they apply to the scriptures uh, from chapter 12. I'll call out the verses that I think they kind of go with, and then read uh, the quotes and go through the chapter that way. And then I will go back through and do just a little bit more uh, discussion of a few of, of a few different points. So um, this for the first, uh, I don't know, three or four verses, the unsteadiness of man. Uh, and thus we can behold how false and also the unsteadiness of the hearts of the children of men the hearts of the children of men. I'll come back to that. But this quote from uh, Elder Maxwell, is it simply unintended or forgetfulness or is it a failure of intellectual integrity by refusing to review and to acknowledge past blessings? Or is it a lack of meekness which requires the repetition of such stern lessons because we neglect the milder and gentler signs beckoning us to remember him? We need the Spirit daily to help us remember Sorry, we need the Spirit daily to help us remember daily. Otherwise, memory lapses will occur when we are most vulnerable. It is not natural to the natural man to remember yesterday's blessings gratefully, especially when today's need needs of the flesh press steadily upon him. Uh, so, for, I guess I'm going to change this a little bit because I do want to come. I'm also going to throw in some comments about what I'm what I've read, and then I'll go back and do some more commentary as well. But. In terms of this this quote, I had there's a lot of things that come to my mind as I read this and compare in conjunction with Helaman chapter twelve. One thought I had is is Elder Maxwell just trying to say what is it that leads us to forget? Is it just unintended forgetfulness? Is it uh, refusing to actively try to remember intellectually, like? You know, I think keeping a journal is a great way to remember. It gives you something to turn back to and remember when you're in the throes of despair and the term and you're in some trial and what were the blessings you were receiving? Because ten years ago, you're not gonna remember you're not or ten years from now, you're you're probably not gonna remember the the daily bread that you were receiving all the time. It 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 becomes so common and so that you forget. Um, it makes me, this also made me think of a quote or talk from Elder Patrick Kieran, um, October, 2010. And he talks about that. And I've, I've mentioned this talk before, but it's about, there, there are two reasons that we, we stray from the path and it's either laziness or rebelliousness. And uh, I think oftentimes Satan with with good saints, good good disciples of Christ who are sincere in their desire to follow him, I think what Satan tries to employ the most is laziness that it and in in sneaky ways so that we forget. And if we forget a little and then a little more and a little more, he can get us off the off the path. It also makes me think of Elder Bednar teaching about how we one way in which we can pray always, and that is by Praying for our daily bread in the morning, praying for our needs, and praying for that specific day, and then at night, 
praying and recognizing what daily bread we got. By taking the effort to go through the events of the day and saying that thing that could just be chalked up to me having guessed right, quote unquote, from Helaman 16, uh, or that thing that happened that could have been just a coincidence or, man, how lucky was it that that guy showed up to this at that exact time or whatever, those types of just things that could be chalked up as coincidences or because of your own genius. If we take the time to go through them with the Lord, the Lord can help us see those blessings, see the blessings, and they can then confirm our faith and we grow from that experience. And then we can record them in our journal so that we have them for later. And as we move through, and obviously we pray throughout the day as well, but as we connect our days in this type of fashion, we can keep the commandment to pray always and also keep the commandment to always remember him in our day. What what did we where did we see him in our day? Uh th- all right, moving on. Uh when we get when we prosper, so verse two talks about that um as we as the people prospered, they forget the Lord. And so this comes from uh, President Benson, he says, ours, ours then seems to be the toughest test uh, of all, for the evils are more subtle, more clever. It all seems less menacing and is harder to detect. While every test of righteousness represents a struggle, this particular test seems like no test at all, no struggle, and so could be the most deceiving of all tests. Do you know what peace and prosperity can do to a people? It can put them to sleep. We need to see the miracles. Uh I wanted to tell a story here. Um, I've told it in bits and pieces, and I don't know how I don't remember how much I've told on the podcast. But a few years back, uh, I would a part, my partners and I were uh, sued by a, a competing company, and I wanted to speak as objectively as possible, and not you know, and not uh, subjectively. The things that we were accused of doing were, I think, objectively pretty ridiculous. Um, and that was a hard time in my life. It was two years where you're having to deal with attorneys and, you know, just the court system. And it's very, it's, it's very, very stressful. And so um, there, during that time, there were a lot of dark moments in my life and just feeling depressed and downtrodden. You, It goes on long enough that you start to think, man, maybe I deserve this. Man, maybe I did do something wrong. You start to question like a lot of things, uh, the actions that we had taken. And and then there'd be good days. And you're like, no, this is absolutely, this is ridiculous. And so there are a lot of, a lot of lessons I pulled from that experience. Uh, but one thing that I did do during that time that I hadn't really been very great at doing, I had done it on and off here and there, but one thing I started doing uh, much more and that I've more or less carried over to, to this day is keeping a journal because I would uh, I would go days at a time where I just felt in like in darkness and Really, I mean, I think downtrodden is the, the, an appropriate way to explain it. And I would pray and I would pray and pray and 
I just felt like I wasn't getting answers or the answers that I was seeking. And, uh, you know, one of the things I learned during that time is that that's often the way the Lord works is he gives you a little bit of light and then lets you go for a time and says, remember this light, remember this light. You don't need more light. Remember this light. And that light was meant to illuminate uh, for however long. And so I started recording um, those experiences when I would have these flashes of intelligence, these flashes of light, these revelations. I would write them down in my journal. And then what I would do is I would go back to them in the days that were really hard and I felt like I wasn't getting the responses from heaven that I would like, and I would read back through. And to be frank, there were times when I felt very specific thoughts, very specific impressions, words, revelation to me, and I would write those down, and I have those now. And I would go back to them, like I said, in times that I needed help. And at times the Lord would would give me just enough hope and courage to say it's it's going to end you know just hold on type of thing like that i mean in that type of vein and and like i said there were times where i got very specific guidance and direction and and personal revelation and so in addition to being able to hold on and use that light to guide me through the darker times i was also able to when it did end when the when the lawsuit time was finally over I was able to go back through, and I can go back through now, and look and see how the words of the Lord were fulfilled. And what that's done for my testimony of faith is taught me that the Lord will fulfill His words, all of His words in His own time, but that they are all fulfilled, and that's served to strengthen my hope and faith as I seek for future knowledge and revelation, for future and current guidance in my in in the in the situations and issues that I have to navigate now and moving forward. Um. So yeah, I wanted to share that, and in in relation to forgetting the Lord in prosperous times or in bad times, and how my, I wanted to share my personal experience with how. Prayer and study and keeping a journal, keeping a record of remembrance have gone hand in hand for me in helping that and helping me to remember. Uh, pride. Pride is a significant issue and uh, Mormon calls it out that they are quick to be lifted up in pride. And President Benson said, pride is essentially competitive in nature. We pit our will against God's. When we direct our pride toward God, it is in, in the spirit of my will, not thine, be done. The proud cannot accept the authority of God given direction to their lives. They pit their perceptions of truth against God's great knowledge, their abilities versus God's priesthood power, their accomplishments against His mighty works. The proud wish God would agree with them. They are interested in changing their opinions. They are not interested in changing their opinions to agree with God. Pride results in secret combinations which are built up to get gain and power and glory of the world. This fruit of the sin of the pride, namely secret combinations, brought down both the Jaredite and Nephite civilizations and has been and will yet be the cause of the fall of many nations. 
but it starts with individual pride and it grows into group and nationwide pride, which fosters and cultivates these secret combinations that have and will be the cause of the fall of many great of many nations. Uh, let's talk about the nothingness of man. President Joseph Fielding Smith said, The nothingness of man of the, of the children of men, in Helaman 12, verse 7, is not a reflection of man's worth. Now, this prophet did not mean to say that the Lord has greater concern for the loves for the loves of... Okay, sorry. Now, this prophet, Mormon, did not mean to say that the Lord has greater concern for and loves the dust of the earth more than he does his children. The point he is making is that the dust of the earth is obedient. It moves hither and thither at the command of the Lord. All things that are in harmony with his laws, everything in the universe obeys his laws, obeys the law given unto it, so far as I know, except man. Everywhere you look, you find a law and order. The elements are obeying, the law given to them, uh, true to their calling. But man rebels, and this and in this thing, man is less than the dust of the earth because he rejects the counsel of the Lord. And this is married to the idea of pride. I think of Moses chapter 1, verse 10, where Moses says, And now I see that man is nothing. Why did he see that man was nothing? Because he had just seen God. How can we know that man is nothing? How can we remember that we are, the nat- and the natural man is an enemy to God? How can we um, know of our own nothingness when compared to him? We have to see his hand in our life. When we see him, and first to see him, we have to be looking at him. We have to be focused on the things that matter most. And this serves to do multiple things. First, it allows us to... Uh, Ignore the things that are irrelevant. It allows us to, um, which then allows us to hear his voice and see him in our life uh, even more. But as we focus on him, those other things drop out. And the world becomes less noisy, less cluttered, less chaotic for us in our lives. So that's the first thing it does. The second thing it does is it allows us, as we see him, it allows us to see our own nothingness to him, which allows us to remain humble and to, uh, which combats pride, right? And I want to go back to my thought about prayer and connecting morning and night prayers, praying for daily bread, recognizing his, his, his hand in our life. As we recognize and we see him in our life and we see the hand of the Lord in our life, we're able to combat that pride because we are able to recognize our own nothingness in comparison to him. And again, uh, as President uh, Joseph Fielding Smith said, Mormon's not saying that God loves the dust of the earth more and that we're nothing compared to dust. What he's saying is that because the dust obeys, the dust is better in that regard. But if we read in Moses chapter 7, Enoch sees the Lord and he sees the destruction of people and then he sees the Lord weeping over all of the creations. Well, first he sees all the creations of the Lord, and then he sees the destruction of these people, and he sees the Lord crying over them. Why would the Lord cry? Because he loves us. He loves us infinitely. We are his children. And so, I just wanted to point that out, that uh, and kind of share that insight and thought in terms of what does it mean to be less than the dust of the earth. And then in verse uh, 
that towards the end here of chapter 12, 20, verses 23 uh, and 24, it says, Therefore, for this cause that man might be saved, hath repentance been declared. Therefore, blessed are they who repent and hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God, for the, these are they that shall be saved. Um, they hearken unto the voice of, sorry, it says, they hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God. So, uh, Elder Bednar taught, in, in the Bible Dictionary, we learn that the word grace frequently is used in the scriptures to connote connote a strengthening or enabling power. The main idea of the word is divine is divine means of help or strength, given through the bounteous mercy and love of Jesus Christ. It is likewise through the grace of the Lord that individuals, through faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ and repentance of their sins, receive strength and assistance to do good works that they otherwise would not have been able to maintain if left to their own means. This grace is enabling is an enabling power that allows men and women to lay hold on eternal life and exaltation after they have expand, expended their own best efforts. Thus, the enabling and strengthening aspect of the atonement helps us to see and to do and to become good in ways that we could never recognize or accomplish with our limited moral mortal capacity. I testify and witness that the enabling power of the Savior's atonement is real. So, we access that power through what? Repentance. Therefore, for this cause hath men, that men might be saved, hath repentance been declared. Therefore, blessed is he who will repent and hearken. They are blessed. They're, uh, and so, one of the most important aspects and ways in which we can combat pride and combat uh, forgetfulness and the quick, what is it, the uh, quick to be lifted up in pride and the quickness to forget the Lord is through repentance. Daily, every day, every day, every day, sincere repentance. What does repentance look like? Look like? Well, repentance looks like, you know, stopping bad things, but it also looks like asking for the power and ability to do good things above and beyond our natural abilities. Repentance looks like change. It looks like asking for spiritual gifts to be bestowed upon us and working and striving to be worthy of those gifts and to be worthy of the Spirit to be with us so that we can receive those gifts. That's what repentance looks like. It looks like change and progress. It does not look like immediate perfection. It looks like it looks like immediate progression, continuous progression. That's what repentance looks like. Okay, so now just a couple more thoughts, and then we'll wrap up. I'm just going to go back through a couple things. So first is uh, verse one. Yea, we can see that the Lord, in His great infinite goodness, does bless and death. Uh, sorry, and thus we see. Uh, Man, I can't read right now. So we're going to start this verse again. Ready? One, two, three, and read. And thus we can behold how false and also the unsteadiness of the hearts of the children of men. Yea, we can see the Lord in his great and infinite goodness doth bless and prosper those who put their trust in him. The unsteadiness of the hearts of the children of men. The natural man is an enemy to God. The natural heart is an enemy to God. We have to be born again and receive the new heart. We have to receive his heart. We have to have a mighty change of heart because the unsteadiness of the hearts of the children of men and how false the children of men's hearts are. We can't have that heart. We have to have a new heart. 
And we've talked about that this year as we've discussed many different chapters in faith and repentance and uh, King Benjamin especially. But it's this process of getting that new heart and retaining that mighty change. Um, and then in verse 2 and 3, it says, the whole, uh, Yea, and his... And this because of their ease and their exceedingly great prosperity. We've already talked a little bit about how prosperity blinds us and uh, tricks us. And we read, I read the quote from President uh, Benson that that might be the greatest test of all because it doesn't seem like a test. And that, then it says, And thus we see that except the Lord doth chasten his people with many afflictions, yea, except he doth visit them with death and with terror, and with famine and with all manner of pestilence, they will not remember him. This makes me think of uh, Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 19. Helaman 15 is another place. There's several of these places where we learn. Doctrine and Covenants 98 is another one that just came to my mind. I think section 95 as well is another place. But we learn that the Lord chastens those whom he loves. A chastening, and chastening means to purify, to cleanse, to clean. And how does he do that? By reminding them, making them to remember. And how does he make us make them to remember? Hard times. Bad things. So that they're driven to their knees and have no and really have no choice but to to remember him. He boils it down. When when life when we focus on the wrong things, there are millions and millions of choices that seem unrelated. Okay? They seem like they're not related to God and Satan. As we focus on him we can clearly discern between those things and we can see uh, between right and wrong. We can see between uh, eternal life and eternal damnation, between freedom and captivity. As we forget him and as we turn to the world and the voices of the world, it's easy to get confused. So what the Lord does is he whittles down those choices for us until what we're left with is a binary choice. Him or Satan. It's the same thing that Lehi taught his sons back in 2 Nephi chapter 2. He said, Wherefore men are free according to the flesh, and that all things are given them which are expedient unto men, and they are free to choose liberty and eternal life to the great mediator, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. For he seeks that all men might be miserable like unto himself. I guess what, I, what I'm saying is, when we focus on Christ, we can clearly see that that's how plain it is. That doesn't seem like a very hard choice. It becomes more difficult when we stop looking at him and we forget him, when we allow the things that uh, don't matter most to cloud our vision. It gets hard. It gets hard to see what is what. And so what the Lord will do is he'll send death and terror and famine and all manner of pestilence to remind us clear out the things that that don't matter because those types of things you know what those types of things bring they they bring constraints to our lives and a couple of weeks ago i think i might have shared this but a couple of weeks ago elder bednar came and he spoke at a leadership meeting uh as well as just in our like a state conference type meeting regional conference and what he said in the regional conference uh he shared a story about uh, Elder Hales, when Elder Hales had, was um, near the end of his life and couldn't get out much, he had talked to him and asked him, what was it like, you know, how how difficult is it to go from being vibrant and active and 
to not being able to do the things you used to be able to do. And Elder Hells said, when you can't do what you normally do, you do the things that matter or the things that are important or something, something along those lines. And what the Lord does is he, he, he forces that type of situation on us when we forget him. He builds these constraints. And then Elder Bednar went on to teach us in uh, this regional conference that constraint can be a blessing because when you can't do what you normally do, you do what matter most. You focus on things that matter most. You place good, better, best in the proper order. And I can't help but think of the things that are going on in the world right now, and especially in the United States, and but around the world with COVID-19 and a, pest, a pestilence and the shutdowns and the lockdowns. And when you can't do what you normally do, are you doing what matters most? And admittedly, we can't go to the temple, but there are a lot of other things we also can't be doing. Are we filling our time with Netflix and Hulu and our cell phones? Are we filling our time with things that matter most with our family and with family history work and indexing and uh, gospel study? When you can't do the things you normally do, do what matters most. And that's what the Lord, that's one of the ways the Lord chastens us. And he boils down this, he boils down uh, the choices that we have. You can fill your time with Hulu and Netflix. And although may they not, may not be bad in of themselves, that's lost time. You can't get back that could have been spent otherwise. Otherwise, And now I'm not saying I don't watch those things. I'm not saying that watching those things is bad. But what I'm saying is placing things in their proper order from best to better and good in descending order. There's still, there still might be time for those good things. But if we put the best things first, there'll be less time for the good things. Admittedly so, but that's the way it should be. And the Lord uses hard times and difficult times to chasten, to cleanse, to purify us, to boil down our decisions between him and Satan, between uh, everlasting life and eternal damnation, between uh, the one who wants us to have eternal joy and the one who wants us to have misery, the one who wants to save us, or the one who wants to hurl us down to the gulf of uh, misery and endless woe. Uh, so my final thought for the episode is this, from verses 23 and 24, Therefore, blessed are they who will repent and hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God, the voice, which makes me think, okay, that made me think of the power of his word, his word, it's his voice, he's speaking, what's his word? That made me think of, back in Helaman chapter 3, Uh, sorry, I got, I was looking at my notes and I was like, oh no, I, but I didn't forget something. We're good. Helaman chapter three, and we see that whosoever will may lay hold upon the word of God, his voice, his voice, what did, hear him. I'm trying to like, just pull these nuggets together, right? Hopefully you're, hopefully you can tie these things together and the spirit can teach you something. Uh, they, they may lay hold upon the word of God, which is quick and powerful, which shall, shall divide asunder all the cunning and snares and wiles of the devil. Think back to what I was saying about the noise of the world. Think about, and call, Let's call that the cunning and snares. It's easy to fall in those traps when you're looking at the wrong thing and then it just looks so, that there's so many of them and it's overwhelming. But as we focus on Christ and we lay hold upon his word, his voice, right? and we hear him, 
and we're focused on him with our spiritual eye, then uh, which shall divide asunder all the cunning and snares and the wiles of the devil and lead the man of Christ in a straight and narrow course across that everlasting gulf of misery which is prepared to engulf the wicked and land their souls, yea, their immortal souls, at the right hand of God in the kingdom of heaven to go no more out. It's well, what, And what are we laying hold upon? We lay hold upon his word. His voice is what spawned this thought, right, from verse 23 and 24. What is his word? Go to John chapter 1, and we read that the word is Christ. We lay hold upon Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. The rock of our salvation, the rock of our, the rock of our redeemer. We focus on him. That is what we lay hold upon. That is what we trust. That is who we focus on. And as we focus on him, we can see our own nothingness compared to him. But it, as we focus on him, we can repent and progress and become more like him and be given power to be like him. But that will combat pride and it combats forgetfulness. As we keep our eyes focused on him and we grab hold upon that that rod of iron, his word, the, the iron rod is the word of God. So Helaman 3, those who may, those who will may lay hold upon the word of God, power of his voice. So we're listening to him and we lay hold upon that. It will lead us in a straight course to what? To him, to the tree of life. There's actually more to come. Samuel Lim and I echoes this brilliantly in uh, chapter 13, which doesn't surprise me because Mormon is abridging this, right? He's abridged Nephi's words and what's happened. He throws in his thoughts in chapter 12 and then goes and tells us what Samuel said. And so he con- he connects them. Chapter 12 is this brilliant connection. And so there's this, there's a, there, we're going to talk more about the word of God and about the iron rod and about where it leads us next week. Um, but, this the power of his word and hearing him and staying focused on him again of things that matter most focusing on those things that is what combats repentance as well is what combats it doesn't combat repentance so i'm going to retract and say repentance and focusing on the things that matter most is what combats forgetfulness and pride and that's what keeps us uh in the in the good part, if you want to say that, of the pride cycle, or just from repeating the pride cycle in our own personal lives and in our family's lives. Thank you all for listening this week. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to my wife for letting me do this, as always. It's a commitment from her as well, as uh, as much as, as it is from me. And so thanks, Tash. Love you. And thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Come follow me, Disciples Journey, on Facebook, on Instagram jaildenwebster at gmail.com if you want to email me directly and I hope to hear from you and your thoughts I love hearing that and we will talk next week enjoy your study